0: Unless you've made a serious mistake, you are currently listening to a free excerpt of the committee program with me, Arun Chaudhary. Our show contains lots more global politics and you can become a member at fans.fm committee to receive our full YouTube show, audio, plus other exclusive content. That's F-A-N-S dot committee. And be sure to check out our YouTube show every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Namiki Const YouTube channel. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, welcome back to the committee program. I am your host, Arun Chaudhary, and with us tonight is friend of the show, Jama Bickley King, who is a Virginia. Uh, Well, a man of Virginia and a data expert and really knows a lot about Virginia politics very specifically. We have been talking about this a lot on different segments of the show. In fact, I was just telling him this will be the first time our folks who only listen to the podcast will be able to hear him. Uh, You have to say hello. You can't just wave for them. Jamase. Hello, everyone. There you go. It's there a pleasure
1: go. to meet all of you for the first time.
0: Yeah. So so they don't realize that you're a perennial friend of the show and that we've been promising to get to the bottom of Virginia over and over again, especially uh, as you've been telling uh, me and Julie and Ellie Mae Hagan about it. But look, this is happening now in two weeks. Uh, and when this actually comes out, probably only just a week. So let's get down to it because as our American listeners know and our European listeners are just going to learn... We only have two German, uh, German, we only have two elections that take place off cycle uh, that are sort of hang out on their own. And Virginia is a real bellwether for this. This is the first kind of voting that's happened in a big way since Biden was elected, other than the special election in Georgia. This will give us flavors that we will try to hold on to as the midterms happen. Uh, and potentially the presidential happens. And it's incredibly close, so people are watching. Jama, can you just bring us up to speed on what's happening on the ground in Virginia?
1: Yeah, it's, you're gonna see the tale of really two things in the data and in the conversations we have. And oh, and one, sorry, it's, it's
0: this, Terry McAuliffe, who's a former, you know, Clinton human and former governor of Virginia, uh, versus uh, Youngkin, is how you say his name. Yeah, Glenn yeah, Youngkin
1: from the Carlisle Group, who so all the Taylor Swift fans will know who they hate him because he was the one that bought all of her masters and forced her to re-record them. So the Swifties are out there against wow. him at least.
0: Swifties are. I think. Yeah. I think this could help. I hope that this is being organized in, in a real way. Uh, b- of but,
1: course not.
0: <laughs> but now, please uh, you set up, set up, set the table for us.
1: <laughs> so yeah. So it's against Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin, and uh, it was a tale of two different primaries. How they got there. Uh, Terry had to go through an open primary system. Glenn Youngkin had to go through a very strange, interesting kind of like caucus thing they did on the Republican side. Uh, and he's had to kind of really, Youngkin had to thread this needle. He had to tip his hat to the, 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 the Trump people who has the base and he still had to get a lot of these disaffected Republicans who were like, not about that Trump thing. Yeah. And, you know, they would definitely, like, you know, they could totally see themselves voting for Terry again. And I think he's actually done a very good job of that. Uh, and now he's at this point where he's trying to cobble together a voting block that even includes uh, the mythical African-American male and Latinos, where he's doing some stealth stuff there. And in the metropolitan areas, he's not even running as a Republican. It's just like Youngkin, and that's it. You know, you don't see him guy. Uh, wearing... Yeah, he says he's a business guy. He's out there. There's not a lot of... People don't see a lot of daylight between him and Terry in, in many ways, except like one's a Republican out there. But he's definitely embraced like all of the big lie Trump stuff. He's like he's on board with audits. He believes that we're ballot stuffing. He, he He's like definitely anti-mask uh, uh, mandates. He's anti-vaccine mandates. He's basically trying to latch on to anything where the energy is. And I think that's actually creating an energy enthusiasm gap where like, you know, I think where even their base was like, okay, ho hum, this guy, whatever. And now they're like, okay, there's a lot more energy on his side. Now, are there more votes? I don't know because the the Democrats have a significant early advantage in the voting on the early vote, but it doesn't mean they won't have it at the ballot box, which is usually where the Republicans close the gap. And if you look at it historically with the polling where, you know, the Democrat is usually like up by eight, up by nine, up by five. And then they only win it by like a half a percent or a percent. Exactly. On a regular basis, you know, you're looking at the polling where like they're tied. You get this feeling like I get the feeling that he's behind, even though you have all of these other indicators, the polling and the early returns saying he's doing well. So it matters how much the Republican side is suppressed but you never want part of your win calculation in order to see what Terry's going to do. I mean, I just, unless like another Trumpism happens where like he finds a way to like get the GOP to snatch, you know, victory from the jaw, well, snatch, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, um, then that's what's going to happen there. And I don't think that I don't believe it could happen three times in a row because he, it happened during his election, and then it happened again with Ra- with the Warnock Ossoff runoff. I don't think it's going to happen this time around. And the really upsetting part is that if we see this work, we're going to be elbow deep in critical race theory, oh. anti-vaccine mandate stuff, anti-mask mandate stuff. Uh, the be big of the lie concept the that you voice.
0: can actually keep the big tent Republicans together. Who is sensible money guys on one side, and I'd say that gendered advisedly because it is money guys, and then uh, absolute lunacy QAnon on the other side.
1: Exactly. And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to fuse both of those together. Exactly. And that's going to be incredibly problematic. I mean... Even if it even if he, even if he wasn't running on that, he'd be problematic. But now I'm like, you're this is this is the political petri dish that they're going to be working with, trying to, like, figure out what is the winning formula in a post Trump world. Because up until this moment, it has been clear that Trumpism without Trump does not win. Yeah, we talk about, it you know, like, a lot.
0: he is actually the magic man. He, you need to have the touch.
1: Exactly, and so this would—if he wins, this will be the first guy to actually get Trumpism without Trump to win by putting out something like, "I'm going to get rid of the sales tax," which is like the big idea, which blows a hole in our budget in Virginia, which is a lot different from everybody else's state. While they do their budget, which is mir- mirrored at the federal system, we make a budget. That's it. If you don't have the money, that money's not there. We don't do continuing resolutions. That's we either got to borrow it. Or something else. We don't have that money. So when you say you're going to get rid of a tax, you're blowing a hole in the budget. You know, so, and that's kind of scary. That, and you know, he thinks that teachers should, parents should be able to supersede educators in education conversations, which on a theoretical level, I'm with you. But when you put it in the context of getting rid of, you know, teaching racism and slavery, then we have a problem. (laughs) (coughs)
0: <coughs> Sorry. You are someone uh, right. who I think where we agree, and we don't always agree on everything, so I think it's important to say that this is an important yeah. thing. We both agree uh, that the purpleness of Virginia is sometimes overstated, or certainly the blueness of it is. Um, do you
1: think... The blueness is a lie. It's a terrible right, right. terrible the lie. People the who lie say the purple exaggeration. Balls.
0: Right, right. It's more of a... It, there's another it. shade there. It's violet, man. You know, like... A, um, <laughs> it, but, like, is... What are people getting wrong about this idea that demographics shifting is, is shifting the vote? Uh, is it the same thing as in the country where you're winning the cities and losing the counties? Is it kind of hollowing out?
1: No, I mean, no, it's, it's absolutely happening. The, the demographic shifts are there. It's not accelerating as fast in Virginia as you're seeing it out in the southwest the Belt, yeah. and in southern parts of the state of the country. But they're absolutely there. What has been buttressing us is that we've had these very swingy suburbs and you're seeing the suburbs get they used to be these bastions of republicanism. And that was strictly on the backs of, like, you know, getting rid of the car tax, something that they did, and they had to roll it back because they found out we can't buy stuff then, you know? And then also on the backs of, like, making these absolutisms, like, you know, getting rid of parole and all this stuff, which we have rolled back because we found out that has a negative impact on our state and country as a whole. And so because we have now been a couple of elections away from that and people have, like, you know the the political uh, memory of a goldfish. Now you're starting to see these ideas come back, where people are like, "Hey, I don't like sales taxes. This is a good idea," but nobody's having the conversation about. And because he's a political neophyte, and he doesn't and he doesn't have that history of all the other people who've come up in the system, because he's a quote unquote businessman, he doesn't understand the ramifications of what he's saying. And then he's going to go ahead and try and fly the state apart in order to keep his promise. And and that's very problematic, And I, I think I feel like I might be repeating myself.
0: No, here. no, it's problematic, and it's worth saying twice. Uh, so, you know, threading, threading <laughs> the needle with Trump on Yunkin's side is one thing. Then Terry McAuliffe, who's, you know, as establishment a Democrat as there is, right? You know, one of Clinton's sort of loyal fundraisers. Um, we have heard, I have read, folks are saying... <laughs> that sort of Biden is an albatross, uh, and his fa- you know, and his sinking kind of poll numbers are to me like that seems like a strange thing to say because these people are cut from very much the same cloth, you know. It doesn't it make is. sense to me. This sounds like sort of political. It is
1: political. It it's political. Being it's always been a stretch, and there's always been his historically Virginia usually like if one party takes power in the White House. It usually flips that party in the gubernatorial, and there's an energy there because what happens usually is that everybody who's now out of a job at the White House, and Virginia is the next election up there. You're usually elbow deep in the people who just got elected out of office, and that means those people are there to, you know, get their thing. Like when Warner won in 2001, it was right off the heels of Bush v. Gore. Mm. And so my office was my first campaign. I was elbow deep in like Gore Clinton staffers who were out for blood. They're like, we are going and they were campaigning like their their hair was on fire and they definitely helped a lot. And then you see that similarly when like Obama got in and the and Terry was the first one, I think, to buck this trend. Uh, Oh, no, it was in Northam. I think it was northam was the first one to buck this trend by continuing keeping the democrats in office when trump got in uh and i think that had a lot to do with like you know people were literally inflamed in anger because of trump and how he did his stuff and so we were elbow deep in like pink hat knitting women who were like flying themselves apart i have never seen people work so hard to the point of exhaustion and pain and emotional duress god bless them but it they were literally campaigning like their lives depended on it and that was a tremendous amount of energy to bring them over the line i don't know if we're going to get that this time and then also the funding community feels like oh terry has it and they don't know whether to believe terry when he says he's in trouble Because that's his go-to fundraising technique. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose. And then he does. And they're like, oh, you won by 20 points. And like, well, you know, things happen.
0: They're emailing relentless.
1: Oh, I mean, that would be the case in any situation. And that's why people don't know if they need to send help or send money. The time to resource this would have been earlier to really get the impact we want. We're going to see the 11th hour money drop. They're already doing stuff trying to engage Latinos on the air. We still are not at the doors at the level we are right now. This will be another cycle where we are trying to get back into the field and do the door-to-door conversations, but we're still heavily into COVID and doing digital, and people are hesitant to open the door still because COVID. We're sending people door-to-door, covered in PPE, shield, face mask, looking like the Mandalorian, and they're like please open the door so I can see <laughs> who you're going to vote Northern for. Can I was you thinking more for? like E.T. <laughs> kind of feel like that. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just like, hey, who are you going to vote for? The mask yeah, on. It's like, just crazy. Yeah. yeah, it looks like, you know, it's like 28 days later, it's trying to canvas you. It's like, it's not a thing. That's not cool. So we're dealing with all of these things, and they're not going to be indicative because if the CDC is actually correct this time, And they have missed the mark, the last couple, but if they're right this time and we get to herd immunity by Q1 next year or late or early Q2 next year, then we may actually be fully into the field again. And this is going to change everything significantly, you know, but I don't know if we're going to do that. I don't know if we've done the investment work there and people are still having conversations about. And I don't know if we've set ourselves up for success because some of these fights that we need to make at the federal and state level, they're still trying to cater to a community policy wise that's never going to vote for you.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's hard to sell, you know, what you could get done as something that you should be proud enough to continue to reelect them on, if that makes sense at all.
0: Yeah, no, no, it does make sense. Um, and you also said uh, a name that I wanna, I wanna ask a little bit about. Um, certainly, our American viewers will not have forgotten, and I will remind our European viewers that the uh, Northam, Governor Northam, you just talked about, and his Lieutenant Governor Fairfax both have sort of very spotty uh, records in office, including a blackface incident for one and a sexual assault for the other, respectively. Um, in a game of inches, as you're describing here in Virginia, how is Terry McAuliffe dealing with that? Is he being inviting these guys to sort of help him do things? Or are they never anywhere around? Is, is this, do you feel like this I mean, is dampening perhaps African American and female turnout?
1: Uh, well, Justin Fairfax is gone. He, no one is doing Anything with that human, I'm like, he better he just ran stay home. Great
0: primary
1: as well, yeah. Exactly, exactly. He needs to polish his gavel, clean out his office, you know, take pictures of whoever be seen with him. Call it a day. Northam, on the hand, other hand, has done the hard work and labor to make sure that the blackface episode is not the first or second paragraph in his Wikipedia page, and I think he's actually managed that. And that's because basically he is close engagement with African American community. Basically, giving us whatever we wanted, and it actually helped a lot with the marijuana legalization stuff that we were doing in the state, where it was going to be like this whole five-year incremental process became immediate. and then he went and said and did a whole like uh, expungement after that for anybody who's been arrested on marijuana legalization, which you know, it's serious
0: business in the correct
1: voters. yeah exactly. you know, voters of color like, yay, and then everybody was like, "Wow. Even the, even the law enforcement community, who I thought was going to be up in arms about it, was like, holy crap. Because it happened so fast, nobody had a chance to like get freaked out about it. It just kind of, it's there. This is happening. And we're like, okay, we're doing this now. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, so he's been fine. He's been going there. There are parts of the state where they love him. His polling is doing okay. Again, I don't believe Biden is an albatross around the neck. I think that's Beltway bullshit trying to... Further a narrative how Biden is terrible because they want the horse race and it's that political bu- it's that lazy political reporting bullshit that I don't like. I apologize for it. No, 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 right. you can beat me. Okay, good. It's lazy political bullshit reporting that I really hate. Where they're just trying to manufacture something when there's literally stories you can just go on by yourself. Like the company I just worked for, Target Smart, just put a whole thing out on a voter purging, a voter purging of, of voters of color, and all the counties where it's disproportionate. One of the large one that has the most counties, but the lowest number is West Virginia. And, and you know, there's a conversation about Mankin and like his adversarial position to the voting rights piece. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he is consciously doing that. Oh, no, I got to keep the voter purchase going. But I think it's a conversation where like, you know, this could help people in your state. You know, particularly, in, and people say, why the numbers of voters of color so low? I'm like, it's West Virginia. There's not a lot of black people here. <laughs> it's like, they're not a lot of people of color here. So the percentages are going to be low. But the fact that they are low and disproportionately high is something we should kind of, like, look at. You know, and that's something significant. And I don't know if they're leaving the state, which also could be true, but it it it's enough. The data shows enough that we should dig deeper and look in case there's something else happening. Um, And so there's a lot of these conversations happening as the data is starting to show us all these new trends and all these new things that we need to pay attention to, and particularly with, like, you know, and what I've been telling everybody is, like, Voltaire had it right. He said, like, you know, people who believe you, uh, make you believe absurdities will get you to commit atrocities. Mm -hmm. And the absurdity of the big lie on elections and Democrats and black people voting 16 times in the same place has convinced Republicans to commit atrocities against our democracy. And not only are they committing these things, not only are they doing it, they feel like they have the moral authority, but in many ways they feel like they have the moral obligation to do so. Right, right, right. The they feel it. like... Exactly, like, if you believe in absurdity that there are Democrats stuffing ballots in Maricopa County, you believe that you have to go in there on your white charger to bring bring back justice to the democracy and the republic you love. If you believe that. And they do. And so they're committing these atrocities because they believe they're doing the right thing and they're the hero. And that's something that's hard to walk back. But I'm like if we continue to let these absurdities go by this is where you get to the whole Nazi shit. It's not like yeah. nobody sits around and wakes up with like a stovepipe hat and like a, a thin like pencil mustache. Thing. That's gonna <laughs> exactly no it happens incrementally and they think they're doing the right thing and they think they're the hero because they were given bad information and we haven't fixed that <laughs> you know so i'm like that's a really good story i think somebody should write instead of trying to make it look like biden's week because of an election that happened in virginia for a guy that has nothing to do with his administration
0: Let's be generous to the world slightly and say that there have been in the last, uh, in many of the last elections, a gap between um, Republican performance and Republican expectation, you know, whether it's the sort of, (laughs) do you think that it is a result of a, a, a polling error, whether that's shy Trump voter, whatever the hell people think it is, do you think it's something different each time? Uh, and do you think, how accurate do you think the polls are right now in Virginia?
1: I I think that there is legitimately Republicans checking out because they believe it's part of, a, of the conspiracy. Like the call you comes know, whatever and they just
0: do not answer that call. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks.
1: Or, or, or they pollute it on purpose. You know, it's like when I'm seeing, like, 15% of uh, black people supporting Republicans. Seems like a lot. I keep looking. It seems like, <laughs> like a lot. and I'm thinking, and I go down to the cross tabs and say, so where did this come from? Like, this was like self-identified African-American. I'm like, like this, oh, is, this is white people. <laughs> exactly. It's like, this is rather suspicious. This doesn't make any sense. And then you look further down what those people said, you're like, it gets more and more bizarre. It's like, what in the world is this? It's like 15% of the black people think critical race theory is bad hmm, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, to, you know? And so you look at these things, and so there is, I think, that polluting. And then also, I think to your point is, is also that they're just bad polling. And I think the Virginia polling is not the technique. And it always had a little bit lean because the way pollsters operate is really stupid. They take how they go ahead and make the proportionality for how they should wait the polls is on the last election. And so this is why the Virginia uh, always has like a little bit more Democratic lean than it should, because the electorate in Virginia is not really Republican, but the off-cycle Republic, uh, electorate is a little bit more Republican than its presidential yeah, yeah. electorate. Because you got people getting up high for the federal and then they're like, I'm good on the state stuff, which are like, no, you have that backwards because these state people control, control more. Your life than the federal yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, I'm mad about cops doing this. I'm like, Well, you didn't vote in the state election, who tells them what to do?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if you want to
1: change the wording of the so,
0: Pledge of Allegiance or something, maybe vote at federal level. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, otherwise you'd to look Exactly. Right?
1: Yeah, you don't care about that shit. So, And I think that is where a lot of that issue is. So when they weighted, they wait the stuff with whatever the, the previous electorate was, which in this last election was absolute bonkers. I don't think we'll ever see that voting block again. Lowercase c, Republicans voting for Biden and like batshit crazy, like black conservatives voting for Trump and all this other weird shit that I've never seen before. And the first time seeing in any election, we saw multi-ethnic voter cohesion, which is a fancy word for African-Americans, Latinos, and Asians voting together as a block, which has ridiculous ramifications for redistricting, which is why you saw North Carolina try to nip it in the bud by saying because that these edge-case African-American men and Latinos Prove there's no voter cohesion when the numbers are absolutely against them. Because with that logic, you can make Voting Rights Act protected districts all over the country that meet the 50 percent plus one threshold for a community of interest, which literally cuts the throats of Republicans all over the country. Which right now the Democratic Party.
0: If it was reversed, let's just be absolutely clear. They would do this yesterday. Absolutely.
1: Oh, and well, the stupid part is they're going to fight it because if they didn't, I believe within the next 10 or 20 years, you could see that level of voter cohesion happening with Latinos and white people, AAPI and white people, and even some areas, black people and white people that even could be conservative and they could end up being a community of interest. But they're going to fight this thing and paint themselves in a corner for a decreasing set of voting block, and now they're doubling and tripling down on their Latino outreach because they're seeing the numbers just like, what do you do? And it is stark out there. I, we all knew that Latinos were going to become this voting presence, but it is now undeniable from the last census to know that within the next 10 years, they're going to be an incredible force, and I'm one of the people who has never bought into like demographics equal destiny, But I'm looking at those numbers and I'm like, man, if they don't find a way to get any percentage of these Latinos back on their side, they're done like dinner from the national conversation. And that's a wrap. And I have never been as bullish on turning Texas blue this early. I think it needed a lot more organizing sophistication, which I think those activists there have been doing an amazing job there, putting them on that path to that. I think the expectation from the funders needed to be a little bit more reasonable, and they needed to invest more in different ways. Um, but I think that they have a really good shot getting there over the next 10 years. And once you take Texas off the board for the Republicans, that's a wrap. Yeah, you will sure. never see the – you're never going to see the White House. I don't care. There is no combination of states that you can yeah, get
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. without Texas. It's like it's over sometimes. <laughs> so that's the ball game, and there's also a conversation around uh, Native American organizing, which we've never done. That is actually really captured out there because they realize they exist because they want Arizona in that community. Yeah. But we've been saying y'all should be investing in them forever because any red state play in Wyoming and all those oh, yeah. goes through the, yeah it goes through Native Americans that you have never engaged and empowered. And so now there's all these different things that the census is showing us. And we had this new test case and Trump has done us at least one solid in giving us a critical mass of voters of color that have been voting cohesively, not because we really super like each other, but mainly because we've all been on the business end of his racism and his base is racism. It makes very strange bedfellows. And we're like, yo, I am down to protect every single one of these Asians or Latinos that even beforehand, but even now, so it's a little bit more reciprocal because we all see ourselves in the same boat. But even in that, there are sub ethnicity conversations that get even more sh- makes it slightly more strange. What I will not get into because y'all don't want to get into like the the nuances of why democratic data targeting on race sucks. But that's probably another podcast. That
0: we should do that as a whole separate thing because I would actually love to talk about that. I love talking about anything that's wrong with data is is my favorite thing. <laughs> uh, this is one. This is one kind of snowball going down the mountain you're talking about. But the other one, especially in the press and in the more, more short term, will be the devastation for the Democrats of a loss in Virginia. Will cement the midterms. This kind of sort of doom and gloom. What would you say for us? Number one, you can react to that because you have a reaction. I see. And number two, um, what should we be looking for on election night? For some of us in Europe, it will be very late. We'll be tired. Uh, is Richmond really the thing we should be looking at to see how it's going? Or yeah. uh, what is what, I mean, what should we be looking for?
1: Here's how it's going to go down. There's going to be elections, and then all of a sudden it's going to be super tight. Young Ken is going to overtake Terry, and then it will be decided by likely Fairfax and Petersburg if it's really close. Mm. If Young Ken gains enough voter velocity early on and enough margins, it it may it, be, it they may call it earlier, because there's just not enough uh, off your voters for him to overtake. And where I, but that would let be, folks
0: know where those two counties are. So Fairfax is a couple counties out from DC. Uh, Peterborough is closer to Richmond.
1: Yeah, Fairfax is like the the largest county in uh, in the state, and it has the largest population. It's like it is chock full of like uh dc workers people who work in 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 the nation's capital yeah best best korean best vietnamese food very good ethiopian as well it is where a lot of immigrants live there's a critical mass of them there and then petersburg is this small city that is like elbow deep in black voters which always comes in late and it is a huge democratic stronghold at least traditionally it was And what we have seen in the sense is that there has been significant gentrification in a lot of these African-American neighborhoods. Now, this is on the one hand, it's made the cities slightly less black. But the counterpart is, is when these communities move out, they move out into the counties and it's made the counties, which have been these Republican Ah, stalwarts, a lot more swingy. Which is like the surrounding counties of Richmond, which are like Henrico and Chesterfield County, which used to be, you know... Henrico was very much leaning red, and Chesterfield was deep red. They, Trump lost Chesterfield and Henrico. No, yeah, he lost Henrico, but though, and that's a big deal because never I can't remember like Chesterfield being even swingy when I was growing up, Mm -hmm. and so this is going to be fought also in Tidewater, uh, Virginia, which is like the very swing bellwethery area. Is that usually whoever wins Tidewater wins the state? And so Youngkin has to really bring up his margins in the rural areas to a significant degree, and they may not like him because you know they are kind of anti corporate in some ways. Which God bless them, I agree. (laughs) Uh, But I think that they are the right show
0: for that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But they are incredibly passionate about pushing back these mandates, and feel and there's this they feel disempowered, and I get it. You've been disempowered by a pandemic. You got some, a nameless faceless somebody telling you to get a vaccine that you don't want. You got nameless faceless people telling you to wear a mask and you're like, why should I? You got nameless faceless people saying that you don't have a control over your child's education and you believe what's best for them. And I get those things, but they're wrong <laughs> because of the context in which they want to use it. I agree with every single one of those things in principle. It is interesting seeing Republicans in Virginia say, My body my choice. Totally. you know <laughs> where, where they are staunchly pro-abortion and never been pro-choice. And so we're seeing this, this this them having two two things in tension in their heads at the same time, and they're trying to reconcile that. and I don't but their anger is coming out in a way that I think is very not helpful. And they're still emoting and they're not trying to come to solutions. They're not trying to get things better. They're just really trying to reclaim power because they feel so disempowered now.
0: I mean, I, you know, I would hesitate to say that Comrade Mao taught us that uh, internalized contradiction is actually, you know, can be can be a powerful force <laughs> throughout the world. Uh, and that people do, I mean, you know, I'm kidding, but people do hold these contradictions and they're real. So based on that, like, what do you... If I forced you to say what you think is going to happen, what do you think is going to happen?
1: I have a very sneaking suspicion that Terry may lose. I really, do you, really. I didn't want, want to
0: say it because I didn't want to be like a jerk who's saying that, and let you down. You're from Virginia and all this. No,
1: no and, and it's and it's not going to be the fault of the people who are fighting there. I got teams of people are busting their butts right now. They're killing themselves trying to make this happen. Um, I get it has. It has that Warner two thousand one feel, but on this time, Glenn Youngkin is Mark Warner, and and Terry and and, and Mark Early is uh, Terry McAuliffe, and it and is not and he's not even being out hustled. He's not even being out-run, He's in a a very tense area. in a weird way. Exactly. I mean, it, like Terry is doing, the, he's saying the right things, but, you know, he's not going to give a concrete policy thing that Terry's not going to do it. And Glenn C- Youngkin is saying, I'm going to Everything you can. get rid of the sales Yes, yeah. exactly. I am going to make sure parents will have control over the school boards. He's saying things that may not even be legal, but he is concrete saying this is what you get with Glenn Youngkin. This
0: is what's not oh, all the boom in the UK, yeah.
1: Exactly. And, and Terry's out there saying, like, I'm going to make sure we got clean energy, that we got jobs and economics. I'm going to raise teacher pay. Teacher pay is good. That's a thing. But it's not like, yo, this is how much everybody in the state is going to be doing better with because I'm in there. That Glenn Youngkin is like selling unicorns and whatnot. That's going to make it so that we can't pay for roads or schools for the next 10 years. You know, it is
0: what it is. All right, we have put our predictions in, but we're hoping for the opposite outcome. Shema Bickley King, thank you for coming on the show as always. And maybe we'll have to do a uh,
1: (laughs) post-mortem. Why are you going to see me up there drinking Bailey's, putting Bailey's in Cinnamon Toast Crunch? You'll be the saddest, most depressing thing. (laughs) It sounds delicious, though. Uh,
0: And if you would like to write in for your recipe for the Bailey's Cinnamon Toast Crunch breakfast, write... Jama's Magic Breakfast to the committee program uh, P.O. Box something something Cochity Lake New Mexico I'll have to figure out a fake address I mean,
1: later yeah I'll totally do that I mean it's, it's very simple it's, it, but it's delicious it, it'll kill you but you don't care because you're so
0: depressed
1: oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> In all continents of the world. Committee, comitato, committee, comitato, we submit, we